Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez, in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Welcome, and thank you so much for making time to be present with us today. Our intention for this podcast is for each and every one of us to get one step closer to the highest version of our aligned self each and every day. Today, our guest is Patrick Harstead. He is a structural integrator, also known as Rolfing. He's a martial artist, a teacher of Tantra, as well as a yoga instructor. Patrick, I'm so, so excited that you're here. I absolutely love and adore you. Thank you for being here today. And thank you so much for having me here today, Pepper. I so appreciate what you bring to our community. Thank you so much. Mm. And you came bringing gifts, (laughs) (laughs) bearing so many gifts. Mm. I appreciate that. Can you tell me a little bit more about the scarf that you brought me today? Yes, I brought you what's known as a katak. It's an offering scarf that I have offered to my teacher, Lama Drime, and his blessings are in that scarf. And so I just wanted to share those blessings with you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, something very special yeah. to me. It's absolutely gorgeous. And for those the um, listening audience, it's it's a cream colored scarf so, with a yeah. beautiful pattern. Just what, are, what those are those? auspicious symbols that oh. are on it, and it's a silk scarf. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Thank you. You're so welcome. I wear a lot of creams and white, especially mm. when meditating. Yeah, well, so I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> And then you also brought this. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Yes, that's a Sri Yantra uh, that I sculpted out of clay. And it's an original design that came to me while in retreat. I do solitary retreats every summer for 30 to 60 days of solitude. And that design came through uh, last year in my retreat. And so I wanted to share that with you. Thank you. It's absolutely beautiful. And we'll have pictures of that for our Instagram as well if any of the listening audience wants to pop over there and look at those things. So I'm very excited to get right into it because I was able to come to you on Friday mm-hmm. a few days ago. Now that's been, what, three days ago. And I haven't tuned in with you about how my body is. <laughs> but I want to tell you that I don't think that I felt too much. My Mm -hmm. body wasn't hurting that first day. Good. The second day. (laughs) (laughs) The second day, Uh I was like, oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I can can feel that something really happened on a Mm -hmm. deep level, Mm -hmm. and I'm still working it out. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. There are bruises. Mm Mm-hmm. There are bruises, and you didn't tell me about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so individual. Yes. Really kind of, it's really all over the board on that. You know, some people do have some bruises, some people don't. 
Yeah. Well, that was my first experience with with actual structure integration rolfing. Like mm-hmm. that was my first. Mm-hmm. So can you tell the listening audience what that actually means, what that looks like, and maybe even take them through maybe our session even, something like that? Sure. Um, structural integration is a modality of bodywork that was developed by um, Ida Rolf, who was a very remarkable woman. She uh, had a PhD in biochemistry in the 1920s, was working on uh, vaccines back then for polio, I believe. And she had a, a diagnosis of spinal arthritis, and she had two sons to raise on her own, and she was extremely bright and feisty, and she just would have nothing to do with that diagnosis. She was not uh, okay with the potential of being in a wheelchair within a couple of years. And so she um, went up to upstate New York, had heard about uh, a yogi who was coming from India. This was in the 1920s, by the way. And she went and practiced with him and had amazing results, felt a lot better, came back to New York, and a lot of her friends were just completely amazed at how bright and beautiful she was, and they were asking her what she had been doing, and she was sharing that she had been doing hatha yoga and um, breath work and meditation, and she tried to share what she had learned with her friends, and some of them were too infirm to really take advantage of what she had to offer. And others were just, you know, not disciplined enough. And so she thought to herself, what can I do to help these people who aren't able or aren't willing to help themselves? How can I help them feel the way I feel? And structural integration is what she developed. She would put people in hatha yoga poses. She could see where their restrictions were. And she would work manually on those restrictions. And that was the genesis of structural integration. She, that's what she called her work. She never called it rolfing, and her students called it rolfing, and she wasn't super thrilled about that, but she, you know, didn't really hate it either, I don't think. So anyway, that's the genesis of it, and it's uh, gone through a lot of development over the last 70-some-odd uh, years, 80 years now, I guess, and uh, what I practice, I learned from uh, a gentleman named Thomas Myers, who's a 40-plus-year rolfer. Uh, taught anatomy at the Rolf uh, uh, Institute. Um, He's a remarkable man, and in his practice, he came to discover what are known as the myofascial meridians, and the anatomy trains is what he decided to call these lines or vectors of pull in the body. I find this um, paradigm, this map, extremely effective and useful in looking at anomalies that might exist in the body and being able to successfully work with those anomalies and and resolve uh, painful issues and various postural difficulties. And so that's what I do. Uh, I use that paradigm. And I also, you know, have the info, I'm informed by 15 years of martial arts study, 25 years of yoga practice, meditation for the last 30 plus years. So All of this I bring to my practice, and uh, I really enjoy it. It lights me up. It, it, It brings me a lot of joy. Well, we're very, very lucky to have you here. I know that the last time you and I were chatting, you were saying that you were going all over for teaching workshops and whatnot, and I'd love to get into that a little bit later. 
but can you tell the listening audience how you actually came into these type of healing modalities? What kind of, how did you kind of get into it? Yeah, it's an interesting path. Um, I actually began my uh, time in Humboldt County as a student at Humboldt State in 1974. That just tells you how long I've been here. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty amazing, 45 years now. Wow. Um, Other than the two years I spent in Brazil serving His Eminence Chagdatul Karimche in a monastery there, I've been here the entire time. I started out raising two amazing daughters with my wife at the time, Catherine. We um, had a really very rich life. Uh, I had a masonry contracting company called Patrick Harstead Masonry. I did that for roughly 35 years, really enjoyed that. But at a, at a certain point, actually right around the time I turned 50, I decided I really needed a career change. That was when I got to thinking about how much I enjoyed spending really wonderful time with people uh, through massage, through I enjoyed touch myself. So I received a lot of really great body work and appreciated it very much. Uh, I've uh, had numerous injuries of various kinds from big wave surfing, martial arts, the masonry business, and yoga as well. And I really appreciated the ability to accelerate the healing process through body work. And so when I got to thinking about what kind of a career change I might like to make, I thought about body work. And so I got uh, certified as a massage therapist through Hartwood Institute, and I practiced for roughly three years. And during that three years, I really appreciated it. I loved it. But I also found myself getting a little bored that my intellect wasn't as engaged as I would have liked it to have been. And and I wanted to know more how I was affecting the physiology of of these clients of mine. And so I did some research. I talked to some people I really uh, admired and really thought would know what might be the best direction. And I was guided to study with Tom Myers. He is uh, really one of the most uh, knowledgeable, most engaged body workers in the world. Uh, He's written the book Anatomy Trains. He's written probably 30 or 40 articles for a massage magazine. He's also co-authored another book that I'm, it's not in coming to my mind right now. But anyway, very, very knowledgeable and skillful teacher. That's the other thing I really appreciate about Tom. He's not only does he know so much, he's also really good at disseminating that information, which is not that common. Generally, you get really skillful body workers that maybe aren't as skillful as a teacher, and he really has that complete package. So I appreciate that about him. So I studied with him, I with his school, and uh, graduated as a structural integrator. Took my board exams upon graduation. That was in 2010. So I've been doing, uh, this is my 10th year as a structural integrator, 13th year as a body worker. I love it. It's an ongoing exploration that has no end in sight you know it's like you can go as deeply into the human body and on on as many different levels as you want and so that keeps me really interested intellectually spiritually and physically i appreciate this work a lot well you're very good at it thank you very good at it yes and i'm so glad that i was able to experience your work prior to today 
uh, because then I can speak to it instead of saying, mm-hmm. I really want to come see you. I was mm-hmm. saying that I've enjoyed it and I will come see you again for certain. <laughs> Even with bruises. Huh? <laughs> Even with bruises. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm good with it. It was such a great experience. And mm-hmm. I can just, we spent quite a bit of time together. I don't know how long your sessions normally are, they're but I think we spent almost two hours together. Yeah, they're generally 90 minutes. Okay. We may have gone over a tiny okay. bit, but yeah, they're generally 90 minutes. I was trying to give you kind of an overall session. I worked a little bit differently on you than I might on a client coming in 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 series. This work is generally done in series. Um, I've developed, or I haven't developed, but I work with a three-session protocol that I appreciate very much because a lot of people in Humboldt County don't have the funds to do a 12-session series, which is what our complete series is it's 12 sessions and it's extremely thorough goes Mm -hmm. through the whole body from head to toe and uh, so this three session protocol is generally what I do with people who come to see me and for you I just wanted to have uh, you experience a full body session so you know I may have gone a little bit faster than I would have liked to perhaps hence the bruises I'm not sure but but it was, was all good. Yeah, I was definitely trying to give you an experience of a full body session. So when I mentioned bruises, I should <laughs> I should back up and say they're not bad. They're noticeable. They're not bad. But I bruise quite easily, so I've always taken a lot of iron. A myofascial roller that uh-huh. I roll uh-huh. like myself all the time, and that gives me bruises right away. If I uh-huh. bump into something, it gives me bruises. I mean, some people do bruise. Not, I, I don't... I don't think it's super common, but it does happen. Okay. It was light bruising. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all good. (laughs) But it was great. It was really wonderful. With all of that being said, most people are coming to you and you're saying that three sessions, 12 sessions is really optimal. Mm -hmm. What are most of your clients coming to you for specifically? Well, it really runs the full gamut. Okay. Um, some people are working on specific injuries like shoulder, frozen shoulder. I get quite a few of those. Um, knee issues, low back, of course, is super common. Um, I would say that uh, what excites me the most, uh, gives me the greatest joy, is when somebody is coming in with a pattern that has um, really been very difficult to shift and perhaps they've seen a lot of different practitioners and they're kind of coming out to me because somebody told them that I might be able to help them and to be able to help somebody who's kind of lost hope of really changing their situation to be able to help those people just really feeds my soul you know I really just feel like that's kind of why I'm here is to help those people who aren't getting helped I love that yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a at least space. attempt to help them. Right, absolutely, <laughs> or get them on their direction, get them in their way. The other thing I think that um, I appreciate about this work is that it is collegial. People don't come to me and expect, you know, ideally they don't come to me and expect me to fix them. We work together uh, to to sh- shift whatever needs to be shift or, or make the appropriate changes that need to be made. And I appreciate that about this work uh, very much. The other thing about this work I love is that I really work to empower my clients 
to give them tools with which they can heal themselves so that they aren't dependent upon somebody like myself, that they can move forward in their lives and know that they can self-treat in an effective way that will allow them to age gracefully. It's something that I certainly have appreciated about the work I've received is that it's, it's very informative to every aspect of my being. And so to share that is uh, one of the things I love the most about it. Let's jump right into that okay. really quickly. Sure. Self-care recipe, mm, right? Okay. Because you've mentioned empowering your client and giving them kind of things to work with. You have such a huge gamut of things that you're doing. What are some of the things that you typically suggest to your clients? What I do is I, I generally will assess a person's structure We'll talk about their particular challenges. I'll give them a session. And during that session, I will point out the aspects of their physiology that are important to pay attention to. And then I will, um, at that point, uh, just say, you know, after we're done here, I'll show you how to work with that particular issue. So that way they have a kinesthetic sense of the area that is perhaps problematic. And then at the end of the session, I try to have enough time to where I will show them how to work with uh, a lacrosse ball, one of my favorite tools, tennis ball, uh, knobby roller, which is another really important tool to me, um, using yoga blocks, using straps. There are various tools with which we all as humans can really better our physical situation. And of course, I am extremely biased toward yoga. Uh, (laughs) Hatha yoga, in my opinion, is the fountain of youth. And uh, in my experience, like I'm 63 now, and I can pretty much do everything I could do in my 30s. And I'm really appreciative of that. That, to me, is pretty awesome. Yeah. What we think of as 63 or 83 is is so much different than what it was 40 or 50 years ago. You know, it's Mm -hmm. totally different. But, well, congratulations. You look fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, you can definitely tell it's working for you. Thanks. Yeah, I I, uh, really think that with a daily practice of Hatha Yoga. There's no reason why one can't age extremely gracefully. So I appreciate that about it. I want to talk to you for just a moment. You had mentioned a couple of things earlier about a solitude retreat. And this may be something that you suggest to clients as mm, well as taking mm, that mm. inwards quiet solitude. Mm. But can you tell me a little bit more just on what you're doing for that 30 to 60 sure. days? And when did you start doing that? Yes. Uh, well, it took me 19 years to, of uh, solid practice as a Vajrayana practitioner, uh, which is Tibetan Buddhist Tantra, essentially what va- the Vajrayana is. Um, I did. Uh, I, I spent two years living with His Eminence Chagatulk Rinpoche in Brazil in a retreat center. I built sacred structures uh, under his direction. I was basically his foreman, construction foreman, uh, in this construction of eight stupas. 
I worked on uh, various statues. Uh, Rinpoche taught me how to sculpt. Uh, and I really, you know, appreciate him so much for all that he brought. He, he was really a, a renaissance man. He was a doctor of Tibetan medicine. He was an artist. He was an extremely gifted singer. He was known as the voice of Tibet. He was a meditation master, perhaps unparalleled in the West. Um, I don't know. I'm, of course, very biased, but I just, I miss him so much. And I so appreciate the time that I got to spend with him. And I was very fortunate to spend intimate time with him sculpting at like five o'clock in the morning. I got to be in very uh, close proximity to Rinpoche, very intimate uh, connection with him through uh, being an artist, being a sculptor, um, uh, just assisting in, in various uh, projects that were going on. He was a builder, very definitely a builder. He built centers. Uh, he built one here at Rids and Ling and Junction City, uh, just 80 miles east of us. Um, he was there for about 15 years. Uh, then he went and created this amazing center in Brazil called Cadroling near Tres Coroas. I, I did a lot of work with him. I did meditation retreats with him. Uh, I feel like uh, he... he gave me pointing out instructions, showed me the true nature of my mind, and gave me the tools with which to find that for myself. And then I came back to the States and, and been working here uh, since 2001. I've got a teacher, Lama Drime, Chagda Rinpoche's lineage holder. The lineage is very important in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. Uh, one master's mind stream is more or less poured into the lineage holder's mind stream. And so it's a continuous thread of enlightened intent that is translated through the physical being. And it's extremely beautiful to, to be in the presence of such a master. And so I spent a lot of time with Lama Drime, doing retreats with him, with other people. And in, uh, in 2014, he suggested that I start doing solitary retreat. He, you know, he said, you're very close. Now's the time to do solitary retreat. And so I went into solitary retreat in 2014 for the first time. Basically was able for the first time to rest in the true nature of my mind by myself. I mean, it's one thing to rest in the true nature of your mind in the presence of a master because you're kind of riding on their coattails, so to speak. Their realization is so powerful it can bring you along but when you find that on your own that's a really different thing and that was the first time I was able to really awaken on my own and rest in that state of of awakening and so that was um, extremely important and powerful for me so it's just been a deepening of that process each subsequent year and this will be my fifth year going into solitary retreat. I'm going in in August. I usually do, yes, I said 30 to 60 days this year. I think I'm probably only going to be able to afford to do 30 days. But uh, anyway, I just, I so appreciate the opportunity to do that. And where do you do this? Where do you, do you choose somewhere different every time or? There's a, a, a gentleman who owns property in the Marin area who is very supportive of meditators, and he rents me a yurt in the Redwood Forest. It's very um, rustic, outdoor kitchen, a hole in the ground to poo into, and, you know, it's 
amidst 100 plus feet tall redwoods. It's a very beautiful place uh, and very rustic. And so, yeah, I, I cook for myself. I, you know, I'm, I'm self-contained in this, in this retreat. It's one of the places where I, I do a lot of journaling. Uh, there's no, no books, no screens. It's just resting in the nature of mind as best you can for as much of the time that you're there as you can. I'm able to play my flutes, which I really appreciate. Um, and I'm able to do uh, sculpting artwork, which really feeds me. So those, those three things, sculpting, actually, I guess there's four things, sculpting, music, yoga, and meditation are kind of what sustain me uh, during that time. And I generally do some kind of a cleansing diet as well while I'm in retreat. It's a very helpful environment for that. Sounds wonderful. It's really rejuvenative. I, I've come to depend on it for mm-hmm. my uh, well-being. Yeah, for, it's like a reset. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And also as a deep structural body worker, the hands and arms do get kind of abused at times. So to give that the body a that kind of a break is has also become very important. Mm-hmm. In these places of deep meditation where you find yourself, you know, everyone is kind of looking for their purpose, right? And a lot of us seem like, feel like we might know it and we're mm-hmm. kind of going along. But in that deep sense of meditation, what do you find that that answer is for you? What is your purpose, your mm. life purpose? And mm. does it shift and change? Mm. Yeah, Rinpoche used to be asked this question. It's a classic, classic question, right? Yeah. Rinpoche, what's the meaning of life? And he wouldn't skip a beat. He would say in his own beautiful broken English, the meaning of life is to be completely prepared at the time of death. And that might sound kind of, I don't know, depressing for some people. (laughs) But to me, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, I think all of us, for one reason or other, I mean, we we fear death, right? Because it's the uncertainty of it all. But if you could imagine if you could be on your deathbed feeling completely prepared for that moment of transition, how different an experience that would be. To me, that is, it just makes a lot of sense. Yes, I want to feel completely prepared. So for me, at the time of death, I I want to be completely prepared for that transition. What does that look like? How can you do that? To me, what that means is it means the ability to rest in the true nature of mind to rest in the reality that we are not separate from anything, that we are love embodied. And one of the things that I experienced when I experienced this awakening is this incredibly deep well of love that is underneath and sustains all phenomena. And to me, what I would love to have happen is that I would be able to rest in that well as I'm leaving this physical form. To mm-hmm. me, that would be a truly successful life. Absolutely. I've heard that, and this is obviously a theory, but 
I've heard that if you can come to a place like that where you are in just such great peace, that for some people who believe in the next lifetime, that you come back in with that knowledge and that peace, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Or if you go out um, of this lifetime with chaos and stress and worry, you will be reborn into that same. Mm. So that rule of thought that you're, you're bringing up or that information you're bringing up for us to ponder on or think about is, is in that same way. I mean, cause if we fall into that, what did you say that, that, um, the river of love or what d- words did you use? A deep well, the deep of, well. Yes. Yeah. If we're in that deep mm-hmm. well mm. of love, you know, whether we come back in into another lifetime or we just, Mm-hmm. go into that love. I mean, that sounds pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. How do we do that, Patrick? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Tell us now. Well, <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I can only speak for my own experience. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I had to be fairly unsatisfied with my life. I was, I went through kind of a classic 40 year, you know, the 40 year old, uh, whatever you want to call it, basically um, period of time where I was looking at my life and I could see that I was just working all the time to pay bills. That seemed like all I was doing is working and paying bills. There was really not a lot of meaning going on there. My marriage was fairly unsatisfactory. Uh, My work was really quite boring. And so I Basically, uh, we, my wife and I went to Calistoga to try to kindle our relationship. And we're both avid readers, so we would go to the bookstore. And I'm, I just love Eastern philosophy. So I went to the Eastern philosophy section. And this face, I caught a glimpse of this face on the cover of a book, and I was immediately magnetized to it. And I picked it up, and I opened it up, and... I started to read the first page and within the first paragraph I realized that I had found the truth that I had been looking for my whole life and that I I had this awakening experience and a mind expansion that happened that is very difficult to express but I just knew right then that I had to find this man and become his student it was just that clear to me that, that that needed to happen. And so I did. It turned out that he was only 80 miles east of me. I was living in Arcata at the time, and he was 80 miles east in Junction City. And I, I went and I met him, and I began a relationship with, with Chagdid Rinpoche and also with Lama Dreame. I took uh, precepts with them and began the process of nundro which is which means preliminaries and it's it's a process it's a step-by-step path toward a state of realization so i'm i'm a huge fan and believer in the vajrayana path it's not for everybody but it's a fairly quick path up the mountain so that's what i appreciate about it is that it is a one way that you can come to experience your true nature. And it's worked for me. Not that I'm not needing plenty of more work on myself, but at least I feel really happy and fortunate that I have the realization I have at least. It's very important to me and, and makes me feel good about 
my life and myself. Patrick, thank you so much for sharing all that. You're, you're a fantastic guest. We could talk forever about all of these things and maybe we will continue. But for right now, it happens to be that time in our podcast We're going to give a shout out to a local aligned business that I love so very much. And I think that you will too. We'll be right back after our break. You are listening to the Quantum Alignment Podcast with Dr. Pepper Hernandez on KZZHLP 96.7 Community Radio from Access Humboldt. We hope this information helps you on your path of holistic health and wellness. For a complete list of past guests and episodes, go to quantumalignmentpodcast.com. everyone welcome back yay we have quite a second portion of our show we're going to do a few things um patrick has brought his flute to possibly give us a musical offering so we're maybe in store for some music from you today you also brought runes how do you say that runes uh-huh. runes mm-hmm. okay i have this is new to me so we're going to kind of go through that that's going to be kind of fun mm-hmm. and then while we were at break you had this beautiful poem because i had asked you a personal question can you share that with the listening audience not my personal question but uh, the sure. poem yeah <laughs> yes and and also this this poem and um, a blog that I wrote, an uh, article I wrote on my retreat experience is on my website, transformational-therapeutics.com. So in case you don't get it, this uh, poem, you can check that out there. So this is a Rumi poem, which I feel expresses the reason that I go into retreat every year. And uh, it goes like this. He says, Seek the wisdom that will untie your knot. Seek the path that demands your whole being. Leave that which is not, but appears to be. Seek that which is, but is not apparent. So it's this process of seeking that which is, but is not apparent that to me, is what retreat is all about because in retreat it's much easier to be with that which is not apparent one of the things that happens in retreat is you don't have somebody especially solitary retreat is you don't have somebody buoying up your ego all the time your personality we all do that for each other we're not even aware of it but each of us is constantly um, reconfirming 
who the other one is expressing, you know, the person that the other one is expressing. It's not a bad thing. There's nothing negative about that. It's just part of the dynamic of, of being in personal relationship with someone. But in retreat, when you're in solitude, there's nobody to do that for you. So your self-identity, especially if you go into retreat in a place where there's no mirrors or, or anything, can be quite powerful because you are no longer being supported in your persona that is your natural or normal, quote-unquote, normal mode of being. And so that something else which is not seen has a better chance of surfacing, of being experienced, in, in my experience. That's what I've noticed, is that in retreat, in solitary retreat, I'm able to tap into that which is not seen in a way that I'm unable so far to tap into it in my normal everyday life. I love that. What would you suggest for people, this kind of just came to me, that don't have 30 days or the luxury to have, like myself, I do 10 days every Mm -hmm. year around my birthday, Mm. but who don't have that time, can they do small retreats like for an afternoon or, you know, an evening or something like this? Sure, of course. I think um, any time you take time to be with yourself in whatever way that manifests is valuable. It's just, in my experience, difficult to sink in very deeply. It used to, usually takes me a solid week in solitary retreat before I start to feel settled uh, in, in a unique way that I'm unable to tap into in my day-to-day life. So the time, the amount of time does matter, but that being said, whatever you can manage is wonderful. Not that deep solitude isn't, it, it isn't uh, really valuable for, for everyone, but I, I can say that it, it can also be really intense if you're not prepared. And I would encourage people to have a guide to help them in that process because it's not super easy at first. It can be really quite challenging at first. And to have a a qualified spiritual guide is, in my opinion, extremely valuable. We touched on, you know, self-empowering your clients and we've kind of touched on the things that you're doing throughout your lifetime to really have, you know, tune in with yourself on a deeper level. What are your daily rituals that you do to keep yourself into alignment? What I like to do is I will uh, dedicate every morning, I dedicate uh, roughly uh, two hours to spiritual practice. And I'm usually sitting in open awareness for, you know, we have a practice called Trekchut, which is uh, part of the Dzogchen path. I'll rest in open awareness for 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how much time I have. And I have uh, roughly a half hour to 40 minutes of mantra practice that I do with various visualizations. And then after that, I do a solid hour of hatha yoga with uh, breathing with a metronome. I call it Samavriti Flow. It's a practice that, again, arose in my retreat setting. Uh, I realized that when I was practicing pranayama, uh, the metronome really helped me stay present. And so I thought, well, why don't I bring that into my hatha yoga practice as well? And so I began to practice with a metronome. Mm -hmm. 
which helped me to really deepen my breath because the breath is the thread which the whole Hatha practice is bound with. And um, that's one of the things I love about Ashtanga yoga is the breath is really focused upon. And I think that's really an important aspect um, of Hatha yoga practice is the breath. And so I do this hour of pretty vigorous practice. And those practices I try to do every day. And I miss days, of course, but I generally sit, at least sit every day, kind of just to stay sane. (laughs) It's a crazy world. (laughs) So for those listeners who may not know what you mean by open awareness Mm. or who may have not have heard that before, Mm. can you discuss that a little bit more, giving us a little bit more enlightenment on what that means to you? Sure. Allowing the gaze to rest in space in an undifferentiated way. The breath is easeful, generally through the mouth, slight awareness on one's own eyes. That's pretty much it. And thoughts that come in and out, are you? how are you dealing with that? Um, just recognizing thoughts as an expression of awareness. There's a beautiful prayer called the prayer to attain the citadel of intrinsic awareness that I'd be happy to share with you if you wish. Oh, it's please a, do. It's, yeah. a, it's a prayer that was um, given to a great Indian saint who came to Tibet. He brought... Buddhism to Tibet. His name was Padmasambhava, also known as Guru Rinpoche. And when he was leaving his body, uh, his students were, of course, very distraught. And they were asking him, Rinpoche, how can we now awaken without you as our uh, infallible guide? And so he gave them this prayer to practice as a uh, the means by which they could awaken fully. And it goes like this. He says, Whatever appears as it does, as visible objects to the eye, everything in the outer universe, although it appears, rest without taking it to be real. The purification of dualistic perception is the clear yet empty form of the deity. I supplicate the Lama of naturally liberated desire and attachment. I supplicate origin Pema Jungne. Whatever resounds as it does as audible objects to the ear, all sounds perceived as pleasant or unpleasant rest in the union of sound and emptiness, free of speculative thought. The union of sound and emptiness beyond origination or cessation is the speech of the victorious ones. I supplicate the speech of the victorious ones, union of sound and emptiness. I supplicate origin Pema Jungne. Whatever arises as it does as objects in the imagination, regardless of what thoughts arise from the five emotional poisons. Do not allow your mind to anticipate, follow after, or indulge in them. By allowing this movement to rest in its own ground, you are free in Dharmakaya. I supplicate the Lama of naturally free intrinsic awareness. I supplicate origin Pema Jungne. Outwardly, there is the purity of things perceived as external objects. Inwardly, there is the freedom of the nature of mind perceived as the inner subject. Between these, there is the recognition of the true face of utter lucidity. Through the compassion of the Tathagatas of the three times, 
May I be granted the blessings that free my mind stream. And this prayer he gave to his students as the means by which they could be with him. Orjun Pema Jungne is another of his names, uh, an honorific name. And um, so it's said that just to speak his name brings him present. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that that is true. Like his presence is palpable and his blessings are palpable. Thank you for sharing that. It's just absolutely beautiful. I appreciate it so much. Um, may we follow up with your flute now? I sure, feel like that just bet. like blends right into some beautiful music. <laughs> Known as a tambour, which is a stringed instrument. It's a gourd instrument. This is a digital <laughs> version of that because I couldn't play the tambour and my flute at the same time. So <laughs> I use this as a, a background. As a, It's said to be the canvas upon which the melody is painted. And this is known as a bansuri, this uh, East Indian flute, which I purchased in uh, Mumbai. It's a wonderful from a rock called uh, Hamzid Wani. That was absolutely fabulous. I, I'm <laughs> still in it. <laughs> it feels so good. I love that. And I had no <laughs> idea that you were going to be bringing the gift of music to us today. Mm -hmm. So I'm overwhelmed with joy mm -hmm. and happiness. So mm -hmm. thank you so very much. You're very welcome. How fun. Yeah, very wonderful that. to share.
I think that we will shift gears just a tad. I want to do this game that you brought. Mm-hmm. We have a few minutes left in the podcast. So explain if you're ready, if you want to shift mm-hmm. over into sure, this, sure. what this is, how we go about playing it, and maybe we could just spend a couple minutes doing that. Does sure, that sound you bet. Good? Sounds great. The runes are an ancient oracle uh, from the Celtic um, Scandinavian uh, world. And I don't know if anyone really knows the exact origins of the, of the runes, but um, they've been used as an oracle for thousands of years and um, have had various forms. This particular set of runes I received maybe 30 years ago. That's why they're in the shape they're in. But um, maybe even longer. Anyway, they are little pieces of clay that have symbols on them, and you simply ponder what it is you have a question about, or perhaps you just, sometimes I'll just ask uh, the ethers, uh, you know, awareness, what is it you'd like me to know today, and even oh, if I don't a have a question. Um, and I'll just, I'll pick a rune and then see what it says, and it's really uh, always very insightful. So I'm going to place these in my hand going to choose one and then you're going to tell me all about my life so yeah you want to just kind of settle (laughs) in settle into it's really important to just kind of drop in to whatever question you might have or perhaps you just want to see what the runes might have to say to you today i feel like this is a good one just place it down yeah, just place it right down. Is that a W or an N? However you put it down. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Putting it towards you so you can see it. Right. So that rune is uh, movement. Oh. Yeah. Of course and, it is. And uh, yes, of course it is. And it's also known as Awas. And if we go to page 125, we'll see more what that has to say uh for you 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 placed it in the reverse position but i'm gonna uh ex- i placed it yeah towards you so okay. you could read it so so maybe a was yeah okay a was is a rune of transit transition and movement of physical shifts new dwelling places new attitudes or new life It also signifies movement in the sense of improving or bettering any situation. There is about this rune a sense of gradual development and steady progress, with the accompanying notion of slow growth through numerous shifts and changes. This could apply to the growth of a business or to the development of an idea. A relationship may need to undergo changes if it is to live and grow. Moral effort and steadfastness are called for when you draw movement. Another of the cycle runes. Let it be said this way, as I cultivate my own nature, all else follows. This rune's symbol is the horse, and it signifies the bond between horse and rider. Bronze Age artifacts show a horse drawing the sun across the sky. Here, Awaz is saying, you have progressed far enough to feel a measure of safety in your position. Now it is time to turn again and face the future reassured, prepared to share the good fortune that comes your way. The sharing is significant 
since it relates to the sun's power to foster life and illuminate all things with its light. So it sounds like you are in the process of, of uh, undergoing little shifts that are kind of leading you in the direction of making some potentially powerful changes. Definitely been feeling that, all those things that you just said. Oh, this is even <laughs> more moving, Riley. <laughs> I am going to get me some of these. Cool. I love them. And they just give you a deeper insight with yourself, right? It's not anything yep. wild. It's just your choosing. And then obviously the words that resonate with it are going to touch you in such a deep way that you start thinking in, in that direction. And it starts answering your own questions or you're, you're answering your own questions truly, right? Exactly. I love this. Yeah. And, and, it, and there are various uh, ways to utilize it as well. There's a three-room spread. There's a five-room spread. So you can get more in-depth with whatever question you might have. Wonderful. Well, I drew three more that I'm going to look at okay, cool. after our show. Great. <laughs> Great. So I don't know why I did. I just did, and then I uh -huh. set them aside. So they that never done this before. Thank you for that. That's You're so welcome. fun. Yeah. Happy to share. Yes. You brought so many fun things to do today. <laughs> I love you. What a great guest. So before we let our listeners go... How do you feel about choosing a tarot card? It's really cards that are from the Wisdom for Healing cards. Mm -hmm. And it's one card that you'll explain to the listeners as I play the singing bowl for you. Okay. And it'll kind of tie in your message for the day, which it's you've had so many. It's about deep meditation, really finding yourself, really grounding yourself, really being in it. I love your message. That's what I'm getting from it. But how do you feel about doing that? Does that I'm sound fun? I'm totally open to it. You okay, bet. Cool. So all you'll do is shuffle and then choose a card that resonates like just vibrationally or color-wise or whatever you feel. Sounds good. And while you're doing that, I'll play the singing bowl. <laughs> Let's see here. Okay. Oh, this is so perfect. Did you find one, Patrick? Yes, it says clear out the debris, which is something that I've been really feeling the need to do lately. Oh, wonderful. Yes. It says today's lesson, engage in psychic cleansing. How much de debris do you carry in your energy field? Debris is generated by irritation, stress, unfinished business, and mental and emotional toxins. It's distracting and disempowering to the healing process. Your goal? To release unnecessary thoughts and emotions. And this is so perfect because it is spring cleaning time, right? <laughs> and I feel like um, the physical d debris is as much what I really need to clear as the emotional and mental debris. And I think that will help, of course, with the physical and emotional cleaning out the, the uh, or excuse me, the emotional and mental cleaning out the physical. And so that, that really resonates with me. It's, uh, it's, it's up for me right now. Some cleansing. I want to do uh, a cleanse for my body as well as get my environment uh, much more simplified mm -hmm. meaning your home like yeah. tidying up your yeah. home and tidying up the home 
that's I think that's a theme for right now because yeah. I have been like cleaning out closets and cl- yeah, I cleaned out the office all last weekend. Yes, like, yeah, it's perfect, so, really. Yeah, it's about that time. It is. Patrick, thank you. I cannot honestly thank you enough for being on today. It's been so much fun, and it's gone so quickly. Yeah, it's gone so quick. So I really appreciate you for being here. Before we let you go completely, are there any social media platforms or interweb connections that our um, listeners can reach out to you to get more of your services or courses or information on? Yes. um, As I mentioned earlier, my website is transformational-therapeutics.com. And on that, you'll find um, a few articles I've written, and I'll continue to offer those. And I'm also planning a video series that will be uh, running on that. Um, Some Hatha Yoga sequences that I am offering for some of my clients who have requested that. That will be upcoming. I don't have that on yet, but uh, that is in the works. And also, um, I will have more information about some of the festivals that we may be uh, teaching at. We're going to be offering um, some teaching at the Oregon Tantra Festival. And uh, we're also going to be part of a teacher training uh, down in Fresno. And uh, yeah, we're, we've got my wife and I, Robin Smith, we're, we're doing uh, quite a few fun, exciting uh, things coming up. Wonderful. And I just love Robin, by the way. Yeah, she is She's great. a sweetheart. Mm. Please invite her to come to our podcast because we oh. probably want her on eventually. She's yeah. a doll. She would love that, I'm sure. Yes. Well, thank you so much for everything that you are offering the community and the world. And thank you for what you've brought here today because I am sure our listeners are going to be so tuned in with it. And it has probably helped them get a little bit closer to where they're wanting to be. So thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Pepper. I so appreciate your giving me this opportunity to to share. Yeah, of course. I appreciate you for taking time to encourage others to get one step closer to aligning their selves, their highest version of themselves, mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I am your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Have a magical, wonderful day, and let's try to make this your very best life ever. This episode has been brought to you by Chocolate con Churros.